Hello and welcome back to Being Miraculous, a podcast by Shweta Shivraman. For those of you tuning in for the very first time, Being Miraculous is a podcast to inspire and live life to its fullest through my journey of self-discovery. Miraculous is the derivative of the Greek word miraki, which means to do an act with complete willingness, undivided attention, and wholehearted devotion. This podcast is a reminder of how we're not alone in this journey and on the simple things we can do to make this life a memorable and a beautiful experience. Today, we are going to be speaking about embracing vulnerability uh, with a very special person I had a chance to interact with through Instagram, uh, coincidentally. And we are going to be talking about embracing vulnerability. And I have with me Prakash from This Is Me, an award-winning documentary that opened up conversations about mental health, disabilities, caregiving. I'm going to let Prakash introduce himself. Thank you so much, Prakash, for being a part of this show. Would you like to share your story with the audience here? Yeah, sure. So thank you for having me. Uh, so my name is Prakash. I'm based in, in London. Uh, the video, the documentary, and so many other things that we've done accordingly uh, falls under the banner of This Is Me, Official This Is Me. So if anyone wants further information, they can go to officialthisisme.com. It's basically to highlight a topic which is close to my heart, which is hardly ever spoken about. And that's the the mental health side and the things that really go on for carers of people who've got special needs, learned disabilities, or even just carers generically. I mean, at some point, we're all going to have to take care of, say, our parents, or we take care of, of other family members. Now, that's great for a couple of days, but there's a large segment of society globally that do it on a regular basis. And some, such as myself, who've been doing it from the day that they can remember. So it's, it's just to really highlight what it's about, some of the trials and tribulations that we do go through. Uh, for which I'm sure we'll go into more detail later on. Right, right. Thank you so much for being a part of this, Prakash. And uh, for those of you who've not already checked out the documentary, I would definitely, definitely recommend going and uh, looking at uh, They have a link linked from officialthisisme.com. And I was very, very touched the first time uh, I saw the video. It, was, it really moved me. And also, I think uh, there was a whole raw vulnerability to it in terms of how you portrayed it. Uh, I think I that really touched me a lot, and which is why we are also talking about uh, embracing vulnerability here. So, so Prakash, just uh, you know, if we were to um, go rewind back a little bit, uh, what made you open up and speak about this? I'm sure when you started this conversation, it would not have been a very welcome conversation in the society. In society, not so much. So society actually surprised me when I started opening up about this conversation. So what led up to it, or the combination of the video and what came before that was in a case study for a UK charity who have been set up for the well-being and support of brothers and sisters of those who have special needs and learning disabilities. So about four year, four and a half years ago, I had to undergo a quite a intense surgery, and it was during my recovery period where I was trying to look for for avenues and, and information of, of support because I became very mindful that should something ever happen to me in the future, who then takes care of uh, my brother and sister who've got special needs. Is it something that the government or the local state would have to take over or is there other avenues that we can pursue to have other people take care of them? So it was just more through my research that we came across this charity. I had a conversation with them and realized that there wasn't that many people from the Asian community per se who who were at a national conference which that I attended. So I thought, okay, there's, there's definitely something here. Maybe it's something from a cultural point of view. And we have such a wide, diverse, nourishing culture. But there's also something within that culture for some strange reason, from my own perspective, that 
doesn't allow us to to open up and just be vulnerable. We're so busy trying to be that doctor or that engineer or that lawyer or having the right house or having the right X, Y, and Z. I mean, the list is, is endless. It's it's hard to keep up with it sometimes. So for, for me, it was like, okay, there's something here. I'm not really doing much sitting down. So let me just express myself. And I'm not a writer by any means. It's what I, I put together is definitely not something that that came overnight. So I, I created the case study for the charity after their request. They loved it. They came back to me a couple of weeks later and asked me to present it at the national conference, which I did. But they also had asked me to potentially consider writing writing a script for it or turning it into a video. Now, it's one thing writing your story. It's one thing having your story inside your head and staying inside your head because then it's just yours. It's your own little treasure trove of thoughts. No one else touches it. So you can go with the good, the bad, it doesn't matter. But the minute it's out there, even words to an extent isn't so bad. But the minute you put visual representation to it is when it gets very close to home. So I had a discussion with uh, a couple of friends about it, of which uh, the the owner and, and director of Kick Action Films who helped produce the video. And incidentally, like many things, or like any great man, there's an even stronger woman. So it was actually the the women, my wife, and the owner of Kick Action Films, his wife, we all pretty much sat down together and said, you know what, let's just do it. And uh, just over a year ago, the video went live, and the rest has been, has been amazing. And... Uh... You know, uh, when we were speaking about this earlier as well, I remember you mentioning um, uh, the name, right? Uh, uh, how did you come up with "This Is Me"? I mean, it's it's one of those statements that resonates with everyone, right? So we we all say in in whatever contents of life that we go through, I think those three words really resonate. That this is me. This is what I want to do. Whether we're talking or I know from, from my experience, talking to, say, my parents, saying this is what I want to do as a child growing up, this is what I want to do, or this is the person I want to marry, or this is the, the car that I want, this is me, this is what I want. And this is something carers, especially sibling carers, find it hard to actually open up and express because we're so busy taking care of other needs that we put our own health uh, our own wants to the back of the list because we're so indirectly conditioned to making sure others have what they need. So after a lot of uh, toying with with ideas and different concepts of what we name it, and we've had some outlandish ideas, as as you can imagine, when three boys get together, we want it to be funky, we want it to be cha-cha, really bling, stand out there, and. The name actually came and just as I was leaving and I was like, look guys, at the end of the day, this is my story. This, it is as it is, it's not going to change. I was like, this is me. In the moment, the video name was made and I was like, exactly, it is you. And those three words resonated across everyone. Right. And I think it's so powerful, right? Because it could just be anybody, right? And that was the message that you were trying to bring across that. It could be you, me, it could be in different contexts and situations, but actually creating and opening up a space for people to have those conversations. And yeah, and that's out. what it's all about, having those conversations. And it doesn't matter where you're from in the world or what your background may be or what your start may have been. It's irrelevant. At the end, they were all humans. I've met so many people and have so many fantastic conversations similar to what we're having now with people from all over the world and they've gone through similar stories and at some point within those conversations they've said those three words 
regardless of being directly constituted to to the discussion about what, the work that I've done. So it just shows that there's something there. Be it those who are able to directly speak English or those who are not able to speak English, but in, in their own individual languages, those three words still have the same resonance and same impact. Just out of curiosity, when you initially started having these conversations, um, uh, how did it go in the first couple of uh, months when you were opening up this conversation? I was really surprised and overwhelmed. I think that's probably the best way of describing it. See, at the beginning, the video, now the script, wasn't written by myself. I had written the case study initially. I handed over the script to... Uh, kick action films and both Narendra and Jax put it together Jax uh, did all the directing and he was the main vision behind everything uh, so the script was done solely by him uh, so mass kudos to him and these are people who have who don't have a direct understanding of special needs and learned disabilities so for Two people to, to come across, take take an idea, which effectively it was for them, conceptualize it and put it into what uh, came out as the YouTube video was was fantastic. It's still even today. I, I keep asking him, how have you got to this level? I want to tap into that part of your brain. Uh, so in terms of the conversations, they they were a lot easier than than I had anticipated. A lot of men, uh, different ages from, from my community, from my close friend network, some would send me an email, some would SMS me, some would even call me and say, we just want to give you a hug. And these, these are guys who are proper macho, macho guys. And are like, are you feeling okay? They're like, why did we never know this? We've known you for so long. Have you ever asked? No, because it's always a situation and condition that human nature is in, that we're constantly thinking about what next, what next, what next, that people become more like a herd, we follow, but you don't take that moment to just be present in someone else's world. I had one who's very well known in, uh, in South India, a college friend who had become extremely successful, very well known. And he said, look, I always knew about uh, your brother, but I never knew about your sister. Why did you never tell me? Okay, at what point in four years of being in university were you willing to have that conversation? You weren't, because we were either too busy studying or we're too busy partying, enjoying just being in university, meeting people, free, sense of freedom away from being from home, right? Who wants to have these conversations about what people are really dealing with? So that's that's where it all came up. And ever since, I'm having conversations with people, even within my own internal family and people in the local community who I used to maybe walk past when I used to go for a walk, who are now seeing the video and they're like, why did we never know? Again, we, we're not conditioned inherently to be asking about other people's family. This is something that uh, has been well documented. You've got people like Abraham Lincoln who documented it in his autobiography that human nature are too busy talking about themselves that you never stop to understand and really gauge what the other person is. So when we ask how, how is someone, that how are you? last for maybe a couple of minutes somewhere we will try and find a way to say oh we did this we did this da, 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 all those things but you never actually stop to really understand and take in what the other person has just said and that could be the difference between someone opening up and just being extremely vulnerable and you really understanding that person or you think oh that person's very quiet or that person's very noisy so there's, there's a very thin line between the two. Oh, absolutely. 
And I think uh, most of the conversations that we have today, especially, you know, it's just, hello, how are you? And you're fine. I'm fine. All good. All good. All right. All right. And that's it. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes I don't think you even ask the next level of questions saying what's happening or anything more, right? Uh, even beyond the cursory conversations. And and also, I think there's something very, uh, there's a, you, you don't actually want to open up and talk about real issues because it feels like you're putting yourself in the spot also, right? Saying I'm fine and walking away and wearing that mask is so much more easier than actually sitting down and talking about problems. And the same the other way around, right? Uh, who has the time today to listen to deep conversations to not actually give solutions but just be there and listen, right? Yeah, completely. I mean, uh, when prime example, when a mobile phone dies and we're not having to look at a screen anymore, what do we do? We're twiddling our fingers because we're so bored. Yet, we all grow up without mobile phones. Even if it's for the first five years of my life. Pick up a book, pick up a piece of paper and start drawing something like that. And just doing something else to allow the mind to switch off. And I think from, from this whole process, it just got me very aware. And even conversations that I have with my parents. I'm in a better state now to have certain conversations about anything and it it makes no difference to me because I'm just sharing what I'm sharing regardless of how it's interpreted whereas maybe previously before the video it's okay if I say this what will be said if I say that we're asking a lot of what if questions when actually we should be saying you know what I have a voice. I have a place on this planet, in my community, in society, be it in work, be it socially, be it with friends. My voice is equally as important as everyone else. So why can't we not just share it? Now, there's different ways of, of expressing those words. But the minute you show vulnerability within what you're saying, also does have an equally profound impact on others where it creates that space of love and openness where I have a, a friend well actually it's it's my wife's circle of friends but I never knew that she had a nephew who's got uh, some sort of uh, disability I, I won't go into it but it's only when I opened up and showed my vulnerability that she opened up and showed her and I was like, why have I never heard of this? And this is someone who's been through it, who I would think that, yeah, I've, I've got all the tools. I can, I can, I know exactly vulnerability from my way. I couldn't. So that just shows the power of conversation that we've become so conditioned to sending a quick message or sending a WhatsApp or a text message, whereas put that away and just have that one-to-one conversation eyeballs eyeball conversation and really get present into the other person's world is so powerful it's it's extremely underestimated i remember when i first started podcasting there was this one episode that i actually did when uh, you know i i happened to actually look at uh, i had eye contact with strangers which seemed very unnatural because it was after almost like it felt new when i actually did that right we, it was just a regular casual networking event and I realized I was staring into someone's eyes after a really long time because you're so used to looking at your gadgets, whether you're on your metro or your phone or your bus, your commute, you're always looking at the screen in front of you. And I was like, it feels strange to actually look at people and have a conversation. And now after COVID, I'm sure that's that's going to be norm, right? Because we are forgetting how it is to be social. We've hardly had conversations without devices. And, uh, you know, in a world where we are constantly correcting ourselves and filtering ourselves out, like you said, right? What will society think? What if they'll say think that? What what if I'm perceived this way? How did you find that courage to vulnerably show up for yourself? I don't think I needed to go finding it. I just needed to realize that I actually had it. So, like I said at the beginning, I, I went through some surgery about four years ago, just over four years ago now. And within that, it, it gave me the time to sit back and just reflect on so many different things that I would, I am proud of, I'm not so proud of. And 
as kids, we we've all all had those moments where we think, why did we even do that? Or when you look back at an, an old photo and you think, what was I wearing? Why did I think of such a thing? So you just look at it and you think, okay, you're now at a certain age where you're not trying to fit into your paper. You're not trying to fit into the realms of what society wants. Just be yourself and see. And the more you have these conversations, and it could be with those nearby, it could be with with anyone you're close with, the more it just adds comfort and fuel to your own inhibitions and your own thought process. And you want it is as it is. It's okay. It's it's my world. It's my story. No one else can tell it. This is me. And what I found is having those conversations with. With people who who I consider very different, and really opening up to them, and there were some of them that that didn't realize half the things that I went through. But it was only after opening up they realized, okay, now we understand why you do things in a certain way. And these are people who have maybe known me for twenty plus years, and for them to get those golden nuggets, and vice versa, within the conversation, they're able to open up. Because you, they now feel that that connection with you, and they feel that a, a new level of vulnerability is being connected. So it it allows them to open up. It allows, say, their husbands and their wives to open up. So as as a friend circle, we've become a lot closer, a lot tighter. That if I'm having a bad day, non-work related, at home, I can drop them a message. But I would prefer just to pick up the phone, even if it's just to hear the voice. Sometimes that's all you need to neutralize your bad day. So it's it's out of those conversations that have given me the courage to to continue with what I'm doing. What would you probably say to someone in the audience who's listening and who's who's not really had the support system or this uh, you know forum where they could have such conversations with people around them? What what can they do to open up? I mean, for such people, I mean, first, there's no right or wrong answer to this, right? You can't really tell a person you have to do this to open up, and then the world will open up, because everyone's script is different. Everyone's can, ideas are different, experiences are different, and everyone's got different ways of of portraying that, especially within their level of comfort. Comfort. Where they feel I'm not so comfortable opening up. All we can say is, look, we've now created a platform where anyone is is welcome to drop us an email, and we will get back to yourself. But also, sometimes the courage will come from the most uh, indirect way. So it may not be the closest of person who's going to be the most compassionate. And sometimes you you've just got to. Allow yourself just to have those conversations, and not prejudge what the other person is going to say. I mean, one of my biggest strengths came from from someone I hardly ever knew. I had just recently met, but he saw the video, he picked up the phone, he called me as an international call, and he said, "Well done. It's amazing you've opened up because of everything that you've shared." And then he went on to share what he went through. So out of the video, and this is another reason why we continue doing what we're doing. So shortly after the video went live, we got a call from a UK charity uh, to say that one of their participants was about to take their own life. And if it wasn't for the video and something that they saw within the video, they would have gone ahead and taken it. But there's something within the video for which we still don't know today that was able to turn their mindset to show that there is support, there are other avenues, and I believe even now they're they're having those conversations, and that just shows the effect. So if we're helping create a difference for one person, who knows how many people are connected to that one person? So it's. Twenty, thirty, forty people—friends, family, colleagues—connected to that one person. So it, it has a complete ripple effect, and 
just gotta be open and honest. And there's there's no right or wrong with it to do. Culturally, especially from myself, particularly from the Asian community, we're so busy thinking that our culture says you can't do this, our culture says you can't do this, our culture says you have to do this and form to X, Y, and Z. Yeah, that's great. But what is your culture not telling you? Or what is it that maybe our culture and community isn't openly telling us that we can do? And there's no right or wrong in, in any culture. But what I found is going back and looking at, say, some of the scriptures from my own community and upbringing, is there's a lot of unsaid conversations and unsaid uh, statements within uh, the various faith books that have, had never been told, yet they were portrayed in a different tone and different statements to give the same outcome. But as a child, I wasn't in tune to, to pick up on that at that point, whereas now I am. So just just trust in your own self, just love yourself and just embrace yourself. Sometimes give yourself a hug. We can all give ourselves our own little hug. And that's fine. Sometimes that's all we need. Yeah. It's like we have forgiveness for almost everybody around us. Uh, we can accept things from, you know, our friends doing something, our family doing something. But when it comes to us, we are we always hold the bar a little higher. I've always noticed that in any conversation with everybody. I think it's just one of human nature. Like we want it to be like the perfect embodiment of what we are, right? And there's nothing wrong. We all try. We all have our, our wants, our goals, our aspirations for for ourselves, society, culturally, whatever it may be. And there's nothing wrong in using those as driving factors to uh, to get to where we want to. But it's also not just about where we want to get to. It's also about the journey that we're on. And sometimes the journey we're on can give us more valuable insights into where we're going than the actual actual finish line and getting to that goal that we want. Absolutely right. We we always chase the destination with the blinders on, saying that you know only if we get there, we deserve all the other things that we talk about. You know, but uh, we miss out on what's the best part. And exactly, something my grandfather used to tell me. He was like, and as, for some reason, as a kid, I used to love cars. Being a typical boy, I I, I love my cars even now. But even then, he said, okay, so if tomorrow you had your dream car. That's great. But then what? What happens when the novelty, when you're going to want the next big thing or the next fancy car or flash car? I think at the time we were going around in an ambassador, which even till today, I still look at and say, these, these are fantastic cars because I've had so many amazing experiences within a good old ambassador. When I come to India, even now, and I, I see one, I like, I want to get another vessel. But Absolutely. you come to say the West, and you've got similar to India and now, but you've got BMWs, Mercedes, all these fancy cars around, and the novelty wears off. And it's the same with with human nature. When you achieve that goal, or when you hit it, great. But if you haven't got a journey or the experiences to go with it you're not going to appreciate it as much. And similar to what our teachers tell us when we're, we're studying, don't cheat because you're only going to cheat yourself. And that's kind of a similar way that if you're only looking at the goal, you're going to cheat yourself about the journey. Absolutely. And it's, it's surprising how, uh, you know, momentary that happiness is once you achieve it because almost as soon as you get it, you're like, okay, what, what do I do now, right? Because... It's, it's the chase you're going after, exactly. right? And once you get there, you're like, hmm, was this all there was? And then you go into a whole, is this it question. Yeah, what next? What's the next big thing? And then you're going to spend the next 5, 10, 20, 30 years chasing the next big thing for that split second to say, okay, I've got this, now what? Yeah. Beautiful. And, uh, you know, I, I remember uh, what you had mentioned earlier in terms of uh, that one person who was you know, about to take her life, who chose not to, uh, for whatever reason, when she connected with it. And I remember when we were speaking earlier also, 
you had mentioned that you know conversations can change things right was there was there such a conversation for you to that extreme no there was never i mean for for myself growing up in the uk uh, both myself and also my elder brother i've got one other brother other than my two siblings so that's far about so for us we grew up in a time in the uk where it it wasn't easy we were in a i wouldn't say a village we were in a small suburb where you could count the number of asian people on on one hand or the the number of uh, ethnically diverse so non uk i never know what the right terminology for it is there is in different countries they, they say different things right they don't want to offend anyone so that itself was hard enough for us to try and embed and create something for ourselves and to fit in and it would have been equally tough for my parents who had come over as immigrants setting up uh, in the uk not having a family support or direct support and and the infrastructure which was so commonly attuned to in in asia Uh, so that definitely was one of the biggest things for us that okay what do we have to do to try and fit into being per se a local but also maintaining some sense of individuality for ourselves that that one conversation uh, which you had mentioned so the gentleman who attempted to take his life uh I've had various conversations with them indirectly uh but for neither myself nor my brother were we ever in in that position we were given everything any child would ever want and that's just to be loved those hugs just that attention because sometimes and I've caught myself out from doing this I've seen it happen before when we are having conversations with children and it these things usually manifest from such a young age uh that when a child comes up to up to their parent and says and it could be aunts uncles it could be anyone not just saying parents but when they go up to the parent and the parent turns around and says yeah give me a minute I'm, i'm finishing something i'll come back to you the child may wait but if that happens two three four times there's a void which is being created so that child then thinks that okay if i go and ask a question i'm going to be ignored anyway so what's the point of asking the question now if it happens from a young enough point of view and on a regular basis you're already creating a pattern for something which isn't helpful and isn't nurturing because what you want the child to do is just to be open expressive be loud be irritating be whatever a child must be and children are so authentic that they will say the most random thing at the worst possible time sometimes so as much as it gets every single adult in trouble it's also not that they have because they are just being themselves open expressive and authentic so for, for us we were always given that space be it our parent grandparents visiting be it my my parents colleagues who would used to come home on a regular basis paid for traditional events that are happening or religious festivals locally maybe christmas new year that sort of thing so there was a lot of different uh, avenues where we felt as though we we want to learn so we actually never had that level of, of thought but I'm I'm not denying it it never has has happened for others. Uh I know one of my friends who actually had a not a direct friend but conversation to say that they thought about it when they were 4 years old. Can you imagine you're 4 years old you don't know anything about the world and you want to have those sort of conversations. They're tough to swallow. but uh, i think what you mentioned about you know children being authentic and finding it so easy for themselves to be themselves i think they don't know any other way to be right i think as we grow up we are you know polished and we're taught how to be diplomatic in situations and you know be well behaved 
and I think we learn all the wrong things along the way. So I don't think it's the wrong things. I just think we our timing is very bad. The older we get, we we think our timing is great, but actually our timing is so lousy. It's it's not even funny sometimes. And this is another thing which uh, I heard growing up that we spend so much time teaching kids to walk and to talk. We spend the first two years of any child's life teaching them to walk and talk. We spend the rest of their lives telling them to shut up and sit down. So it's it's kind of a contradictory statement. You spend two years encouraging, come on, let's talk, let's let's walk. Oh, they're crawling, great. Let's get them to walk, and then they can do so much. And then you tell them to sit down and keep quiet. That doesn't really work. That's beautiful, right? Mm. I never thought of it that way, but that's very, very true. So, what would you tell our, our listeners today in terms of, um, you know, why why should they embrace vulnerability? I think we started the conversation saying embracing vulnerability. Why should someone embrace vulnerability? It's an amazing thing, and it's such a powerful thing. I I cannot for me I can't embrace it enough now. And yes, there is a fine line between you embracing it authentically and embracing it for the sake of just being vulnerable to maybe get what you want or to do what you want, which also has its perks from time to time. Uh, but vulnerability is still an emotion that we all have. Just like laughing, just like being happy, excited. Being sad, being vulnerable is equally part of that. So embrace it, just like we embrace being sad, being happy, especially when you watch some movies. My God, it takes you through an emotional roller coaster, especially our our Indian uh, movies, for which you're thinking, why did I even think of watching these movies? It's either so bad that you still feel you have to watch it. It's like they've taken a commitment to capture every area of emotions on the emotion wheel. It's not just one; it has to be all yeah, of it. Yeah, and yeah, two, three hours, you will pick up a line from the movie, but you think, "Why did I watch it?" <laughs> so, just like you feel the urge to watch certain things, see, just feel the urge to embrace that that side of vulnerability because there's nothing wrong in it. And I can assure you that the more you embrace it on on a regular basis. The more it just helps neutralize things. Because as humans, we're like pressure cookers. We like to store and store and store, but it'll take one split moment where it will pop and it will pop. And again, this comes back to what we were just talking about in terms of timing. That you could pop at that wrong time when you're supposed to be calm and neutral. So if you're embracing it on a regular basis and embracing all your emotions. But not just embracing it, understanding what it is that's causing you to feel that. What is causing you to feel upset? Is it the situation per se at the moment, or is it going back to something from the past, which could be something as simple as a small little playground fight that you didn't really get closure on from from being a child, or it could be a little. Spat we had with our siblings as a child. So to really embrace it and understand it, and from the understanding and embracing, it'll open up a lot more doors and avenues of complete freedom and tranquility in your own mind. And for me, if my mind is at ease, my world is at ease. Mm, that's beautiful. Mind is at ease, and the world is at ease. I love that. And also the conversation that you had, right? So reflect, spend some time understanding what is triggering and what is actually causing that feeling, right? Because usually when we feel bad, the first thing we do is shut ourselves off and you know divert ourselves so that we feel happy and cheery again. And uh, actually processing emotions is something most of us have probably stopped doing, and I think that's a great way to do it. And if I were to look at it from the other person's point of view, right? If somebody's Actually, open up, opening up to you and is being vulnerable. You know, tendency that we have is to come back and say, "Oh, everything's going to be okay, right?" You want to solve, or you want to, you know, feel useful. So you you say probably all the wrong things at that point in time. Yeah. So, what would you say for a listener who's 
who's on the receiving end of some vulnerable conversations okay there's there's a level of empathy that you can add to uh, add to the conversation but again it i don't want to get too bogged down on saying timing but the individual or no when they need to step forward and say put a, an arm around the shoulder and say look it's okay not to say and the common thing that we all hear at any tough time is if you ever need anything call me okay great what happens when the person actually calls you and you're, you're too busy or when you say yeah i'll call you back but you never do could that be the moment that triggers something in the other person's world i'm not saying that you have to suddenly drop everything and call them back but it goes back to the child uh, conversation that are you attuned to what the child has actually asked or are you then creating something in that world because that person now may think well if i ask for help that person never calls back anyway so it's pointless of calling so you're creating an indirect gap between two people who could actually be very close and i had this conversation with with someone a couple of years ago and they didn't realize that they did it with someone else i said yeah and that created such a wide gap between the two of you all it took was either a phone call or just a message hey i can't talk on the phone but can we message you could be busy at work it could be whatever so just just allowing yourself to to be in that place be be open to whatever the other person is expressing because we don't know to what extreme what level of emotion that they want to be vulnerable at. and they could even just be testing the waters per se and okay is this person going to be very reactive or are they just going to be completely aloof to everything that i say and it's it's showing the empathetic-ness and allowing them and creating with them because like anything it's a partnership between two people to allow that that space to be created of vulnerability so both parties can then open up like i said earlier i, I had a conversation with with a friend of mine abroad and we're in such a position now that we don't talk every day but i can drop him a voice note or i can drop pick up the phone and call him and just completely vent out and he'll turn around and say okay that's great so uh, what's the plan for the weekend and and as blase as it may sound for me it's fantastic because it, I vented it out I've got whatever I needed to out and now I'm just normal me again and, and vice versa we have that on both sides and especially for guys it's there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable no matter whatever age you may be and that yeah, the other, there's also that gender bias yeah and it's it's great for us because myself jags nins uh the the two behind uh, the video as well we just sit back sometimes and think human races is super weird the more you figure it out the more we we confuse ourselves about it especially from from a men's point of view that we're too busy we have to attain we have to protect provide profess the usual threes that 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 all guys trying to do to but at what point did we forget to be vulnerable or what point did blokes forget to to cry there's nothing wrong in it like yeah okay you want to cry in your own room so no one things that you're non mature that's fine but find an avenue where you can let it out otherwise the pressure cooker is going to pop at some time yeah, if it's like my one it needs changing on a regular basis <laughs> right so essentially what we call you know in, in coaching we call this you know unconditional positive regard just like hold space for the other person to be as openly vulnerable or whatever they are sharing non judgmentally just let them be and it doesn't you don't have to actually solve anything for them and if you can just be there and be empathetic at that point in time based on what conversation is happening yeah sometimes just by listening itself 
from them talking about whatever it is that they are dealing with, they will get the answer themselves through like open expressive. Uh, I know I've had it once or twice where I think, actually, that's an idea. Why didn't I try that? Friends would like, see? Like, but you didn't tell me anything. We didn't need to. You're exactly like you said, you're holding a space for the other person. It's like a blank canvas wall where you're expressing, you're talking, you're, you're getting one with your thoughts. Right. And now you can openly visually see it floating into the air where you can then think, ah, great, that's an idea. Let me potentially give that a try. True, true. Because thank you so much. Is there anything that you would want to leave the listeners with on vulnerability? If there's anything we've not touched upon yet. Uh, not really. I mean, all I can say is that other than what I've already said, there's, there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable uh, at, at any point of life, be it at work, be it outside work, but all, it's more about creating that that space for yourself to be vulnerable, but also to be happy, excited, be everything that you want to be, wherever you want to be. Because if one area of your life is not quite working, none of your areas of life are working. Because those emotions follow you everywhere. And the common factor is you look after number one, yeah, you have to be a little selfish from time to time. But there's nothing wrong with being empathetic, selfish, but also vulnerable at the same time. Uh, and if anyone is is struggling just to even open up or they don't know how to open up, uh, we're always there if anyone wants to drop an email. And actually, a term I, I coined a couple of months ago through a conversation with a charity in India that I had is the, the rickshaw technique. Uh, exactly like you've just done, everyone was like, hey, what is this? Are you mad? Or... But it's it's that same thing, right? We've all been on our famous rickshaw. We've had lots of fantastic uh, journeys and experiences with the rickshaw where they're broken down sometimes or they just won't start. And what do they do? They, they pull the lever on the modern ones not uh, not so much nowadays but it's it's like conversations you keep pulling you keep pulling the starter motor it may not work straight away so they, they shake the entire thing to give it a good giggle and then they do it again and it, it starts a little and stops and then they do it again and it, it starts a bit more and then a bit more and then eventually it gets going and in conversations are like that. Sometimes with people, you have to start with with small little droplets, but continue having those conversations because they will never get easy unless you build the foundations for it to get to them. And sometimes you have to have these small little uncomfortable conversations in order to get the free flowing, loving, empathetic, vulnerable conversations that we all want. Right. That's a beautiful analogy. I'm going to use that somewhere. But that's 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 lovely, right? You have to start in spurts and actually get to that free-flowing, smooth conversations eventually. Beautiful. Great, Prakash. Thank you so much for this conversation. We always ask this one question to all our guests. Uh, so being miraculous, we keep talking about uh, living life to the fullest, right? And uh, very late into that conversation, I realized uh, living life to the fullest means a lot of different things to different people. So the conversations that we have with guests, we usually ask this one question saying, what does living life to the fullest mean to you? What would that be for you? See, I've been asked this a couple of times and it doesn't get easier to answer. Because it, I think it's a very conceptual idea and it's also very individual. So today you ask me, I may give one answer. You ask me the same thing. Next week, I may give a completely different answer. But I think for me, it's it's just following the path and being very present to it. Just be mindful of the path that you're on and enjoy the journey, the good, the bad. So for me, one of the best things that I love doing is going for walks. And I've been known to, to disappear for hours on end and just and I could just be in the local village 
looking around three, four, five hours. Uh, but for me, it just gives me that space to switch off. Right. Uh, so for me, living life to the full is just really connecting with myself and just really getting present to what emotions may be there, what thoughts, feelings, ideas are going on in my head. Which sometimes we we're so busy we don't give ourselves that chance to be with ourselves and having some some me time, as as they would say. Uh, so yeah, for me, I think living miraculously, living endlessly the way I would want is just being really content with what you have. And for me. This could even come down to the the experiences and what I've grown up with, just appreciating and valuing the simple things in life. For me, it's it's about just being present now. So if someone wants to talk, stop, have a couple of moments talk because you never know tomorrow that may not come. Right, right. Enjoying the present, being mindful, and appreciating the little things. We spend too much time saying, "Oh." This happened, and then that happened, but then this happened. But all you're actually doing is you're talking about the past, but you're putting it in the future. You're not creating the future that you want. You're using your past and putting it in the future. So your your future is reflecting your past. So now it's just the point of okay, what happened happened. Deal with what actually happened rather than the emotional side of it. But also appreciate and understand the emotions of it. And once you have neutralized that point, to be able to step forward and and just embrace whatever life has to offer. Great. Uh, thank you so much, Prakash. Thank you so much for openly sharing your thoughts and feelings, and uh, for bringing up this insight on embracing vulnerability. I think um, I always love our conversations, and it's been it's great having you here. And I'm sure the listeners. Will also find value through this conversation. Uh, for all of you listening, I would definitely uh, map the link to officialsisme.com on the show notes as well, so you should be able to catch it and watch the documentary. Thank you so much, Prakash, for being here. Thank you for having me.